You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back here, folks, on Big Blue View as our NFL draft coverage for the New York Giants continues. The NFL draft for 2021 is getting very, very close. We are not too far away before the 11th overall pick for the New York Giants will be in and we'll know who will be the future of this Giants franchise. I'm Joe DeLeon, today joined by Chris Flum. Folks, make sure you hit that subscribe button, leave us a five-star review, and head to BigBlueView.com for more Giants news and analysis. So today's episode, what we decided to do, Chris and I, uh, we are going to be talking about the various trades that have already happened pertaining to the top team selecting in the top 10. Most of these are quarterback-specific trades, so there is a lot of importance in the way of how it's going to impact the Giants because ultimately, if more quarterbacks are taken, that means more available players that the Giants should be eyeing or are possibly eyeing for them to be available. So, Chris, the first one that we have here, the first big trade that popped up and was a really big deal was the San Francisco 49ers trading all the way up to three with the Miami Dolphins. Now the Dolphins made their own trade after. We're going to get to that in a second, but now the 49ers are in the top 10. They're picking third overall, and I think it's pretty safe to say now that the Niners are going to be drafting a quarterback with this third overall pick. There has been debate if it's Mac Jones, which I think, in my opinion, is a little bit crazy when you have guys like Trey Lance and Justin Fields on the board. But having another clear-cut quarterback selection frees up some space for some receivers, a guy like Micah Parsons to slide a little bit, heck, even potential for some of these linemen to slide a little bit. Yeah, I'm not sure I buy Mac Jones that high, especially with at least last I saw the 49ers do still have Jimmy Garoppolo on their roster. And he is, you know, he might not be a world beater at quarterback, but he is, he is a guy you could at least win with, if not because of, so they could take that opportunity to get a guy like, you know, Trey Lance or Zach Wilson or Justin Fields. One of these guys who doesn't have that real long track record, like Trevor Lawrence does, you know, multiple years of starting at a very high level. And they they could take the opportunity to sit him behind or sit one of those guys behind Jimmy G and let them learn and develop and then make the move when the time is right. But this really does, I think, lock in a quarterback at that third overall spot, unless there's something 
really unexpected going on. Maybe they just absolutely adore uh, Kyle Pitts or Pinay Sewell, but I don't think that's going to happen. Right. Those are the only two real possible scenarios for it not to be a quarterback. But the reality of the situation is teams are not going to trade up from outside of the top 10 into the top five for a player that's not a quarterback, especially in a year where there is probably going to be a very brief run on quarterbacks. And most of them could have been gone by that uh, 12th Wait, what pick were they? I believe that they were originally, yeah, they were originally at 12. Yes. So they ultimately could have missed out on trying to get a quarterback. They could have, if anything, I think this is more telling of the fact that they didn't want to get stuck with Mac Jones because if you sit at 12, they probably could have gotten away with getting Mac Jones. And Mac Jones, like you said, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is not a world beater. He gets the job done. Why would you trade up to draft a guy that gets the job done. Instead, you're gonna you're gonna bank on talent. You're gonna bank a guy on a guy like Justin uh, Justin Fields, who is going to play with better strengths for the offense that Kyle Shanahan runs. So um, I think this is one thousand percent very very telling of what we're gonna see at this pick. Yeah, definitely. And I do think you know one other kind of takeaway from all of these trades up into the top ten that we're going to be talking about, and there is one more we're going to get to before the commercial break is just that we should probably expect draft night to be just a little bit crazy or maybe a lot crazy because this we could see a ton of trades because there's going to be a lot of uncertainty and just variation and differences in how teams are assessing and evaluating and valuing all of these prospects you know we've got guys who only played six games, guys who opted out of the season entirely, guys with athletic or health questions that didn't get to go to the combine because there wasn't a combine. So things could get absolutely wild on draft night. Yeah, and like last season, last draft, we didn't really have this same level of crazy moves. It was a lot more teams not trying to overthink things and trying to sit where they were, but we're already starting to get pretty heated up. And we're not even, when these moves happen, we were a little bit less than a month away. So I think that we're going to continue to see stuff like this. Draft day is probably going to be messy because once a certain guy goes off of a team that is quarterback needy's board, they're going to want to make a move so that they can get their next best guy and don't get stuck with somebody that they're not entirely sold on. So this other move, this was in relation actually to the 49ers trade because the Niners traded with the Miami Dolphins. Now, afterwards, the Dolphins traded back into the top 10 with the Philadelphia Eagles, who are now, the Dolphins are now sitting at six. The Eagles are sitting at 12. So this does two things for me, Chris. This tells me the Dolphins are either really sold on one of the receivers. They're hoping that Penny Sewell will still be there at six, but I, I think this is a little bit more telling of they either love Jamar Chase or Devonta Smith and they really want to get him. And then the other thing too is that I really think that now it puts the Giants in a good spot to get Micah Parsons because that threat of the Eagles taking that him is now out of the way. Yeah, absolutely. And I've seen a pass catcher because you know if we toss Kyle Pitts in with Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, you know, I've seen one of those guys going to the going to the Dolphins rather almost constantly. Almost every mock draft from a major outlet you see, it has one of those guys going to the Dolphins, getting another weapon for Tua Tagovailoa. Now, I could see uh, a guy like Pinay Sewell just to kind of replace Laramie Tunsil, shore up that offensive line for a quarterback who 
obviously does have a significant injury history, the Dolphins definitely have a target or maybe a couple targets in mind if they wanted to get back up to six overall. And the flip side of that is maybe the Eagles have a bunch of different guys in mind if they're okay dropping six spots and dropping back behind the Cowboys and the Giants. Yeah, yeah. And those are the kind of general mix things here for the Dolphins. I think the bigger move here now is that with the Eagles, though, because a a lot of what you were seeing with the Eagles was maybe a quarterback at six, but it was a bit of a reoccurring trend to see Micah Parsons going that early uh, to the Philadelphia Eagles. There were some times where you could consider him maybe sliding and going past the Eagles and still ending up with the Giants. It's still not going to be a guarantee that the Giants take Micah Parsons if he's on the board at 11, but it just allows for if they're interested, he is going to be, there's one less team that is going to be vying for a linebacker of his talents. And I think that the Giants are going to be a little bit more comfortable being willing to take a linebacker outside of the top 10, unlike last year when they were very wary of taking Isaiah Simmons and they avoided it. And a lot of teams avoided it. Instead, I think once he gets to 11, I think that's free game. There's the connection between the Giants coaching staff and Penn State, obviously. So, Micah Parsons is 1,000% going to be in play, especially after this move. Yeah, definitely. The only concern I would have for the Giants looking at Micah Parsons is him taking that year off. You know, there's going to be a, at least a little bit of room for uncertainty in what kind of player you're going to get. You know from his pro day, he is basically the Saquon Barkley of linebackers with just absurd athleticism. And they do have some insight into him with Uh, Coach Chaos, having coached the Penn State defense or coached on the Penn State defense, he didn't coach the whole thing. Uh, Their work scouting Penn State over the last few years, we know they uh, went and checked out that Penn State Pro Day in person. So the ties are there. I think the only thing that would be a question is, do they feel comfortable not having that year of tape, not having that combine workout, you know, not being able to take him into a room and actually talk to him. That, I think, would be the only maybe tripping point with Micah Parsons and really any of the players who opted out of 2020. Yeah, The Giants, I think, are going to want to be sure about the player they draft, especially at 11th overall. Yeah, that's going to be a concern, I think, with a lot of prospects in this class, and that's something that's been continuously discussed at the very beginning of the process basically back when the season started, is how is that going to hurt some guys? How might it help others? We're going to have to see how that's going to impact things. We got one more trade, and then we're going to talk about the top 10. Uh, Before we do so, though, we're just going to take a really short commercial break. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. 
Real Traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. So the other trade, which was the most recent one, was the Carolina Panthers going and getting their quarterback of the future, Sam Darnold. They traded, obviously getting him from the New York Jets, who is sitting at second overall. So the first piece to this, Chris, is we now know for a fact that the Jets are selecting a quarterback because I would say it was previously like 70, 30, 60, 40, somewhere in that range, more in favor of taking a quarterback at second overall. But there was still conversations and speculation that, hey, maybe that they still like Sam Darnold enough because Robert Sala has said and had said that he did like Sam Darnold. So there was a possibility that Penny Sewell was going to be that second overall pick. Now that's completely off the table. Sam Darnold gets the fresh start. And that is yet another. That's three straight spots in the top five that we know for a fact are going to be taking a quarterback. Yeah, unless something really crazy happens, they're definitely going to have quarterbacks going one, two, and three, which definitely does tell us something about this draft as a whole that, you know, with all the uncertainty, teams are going to get th- go make whatever moves they have to to get their guy. And, you know, I'm not sure I'd call Sam Darnold the quarterback of the future for the Panthers, maybe just the quarterback of the present or at least the next two years. But this does take quarterback out of the equation for the Panthers because that was another potential quarterback spot at eighth overall. Yeah, they, they've got Sam Darnold. They've got a guy they at least think could be an upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater. So that's probably not going to be a quarterback spot. That's probably going to be either a lineman or a skill position player, but quarterbacks going one, two, and three, and, you know, potentially even four. I'm not sure what's going to happen with Atlanta. You know, they could try to find an heir to Matt Ryan or try to build around him, give him one last run at glory. Uh, There's a new, coaching staff and new regime there so yeah they might want to get their guy or you know matt ryan is a very likable quarterback you know i could definitely see them trying to build around him like the giants tried to do at the end of eli's career yeah and we'll we'll get to talking about the rest of the top 10 and some of these other spots where quarterbacks could land uh in just a second but just to wrap up talking about the Sam Darnold situation, you did hint at we are now pretty much certain that they're not going to draft a quarterback at eighth overall. I think that would be silly and pretty much unprecedented for a team to trade for a former first-round quarterback, a highly drafted quarterback who has talent, and then go and draft another first-round quarterback. That would just be a complete waste of draft capital. But that does kind of shift the perspective here. Like, What direction does Carolina now go are they going to be offensive minded after losing Curtis Samuel there are still some talented receivers that very well could be available there do we see a potential landing spot for Kyle Pitts do we see a potential landing spot for um, a guy like Micah Parsons getting selected there is this an offensive line spot Uh, additionally you could talk about maybe one of the first corners to go here I think that Carolina 
and we're going to get to talking about some of these other teams in the top 10 that we haven't touched on yet. They might be the biggest wild card in the top 10 right now. That could really shift in impact where the Giants sit a few picks later because there could be, and it's making me think in the back of my mind to back when the Giants were in a position where they wanted to draft Jack Conklin and they also wanted to draft Leonard Floyd, but they were just a little bit too far out, so they ended up with Eli Apple. So it's kind of making me think a little bit like that, how we're already in this position where now that Carolina's a little bit of a wild card, uh, it might uh, it might impact things a little bit for the Giants. Yes, and yeah, I don't think we have enough of a track record to know what their what kind of uh, team they want to build because their entire coaching staff is really you know, basically fresh out of college. You got Joe Brady who had that fantastic offense at LSU. So we can guess he wants to try to build something like that uh, super high octane uh, spread coast offense again at the NFL level. And Sam Darnold could be a good fit for that. Then you've got Phil Snow over on their defense and, you know, he had that great defense at, at Temple, then a he really rebuilt the, that defense at Baylor and for playing in the big 12, it was an effective defense. So, you know, do they want to build something like that air raid killer defense that was popular in those ranks? So could they want to maybe find a replacement for Luke Keekley who retired recently last year? And that could be a very good landing spot for Micah Parsons who could give them a, a very similar amount of athleticism and versatility in the middle, if not the just absolutely crazy instincts and football IQ. Right, right. And again, I really believe that this is going to be one of the more wild card teams because there are a bunch of positions of need. And like last year, we didn't really know what they were going to do when they were drafting in a very similar spot. And they ended up going with Derek Brown, who had a pretty underrated first year in the NFL. So they are always going to be pretty defensive minded. This might be a season where they decide to say, hey, uh, we're going to try and build around this offense. We already see emphasis on that by going and getting Sam Darnold. Maybe they're sold on saying if we don't get Jamar Chase, we go Devonta Smith or vice versa sitting there at eight. But going into some of these other picks, Chris, you already talked about Atlanta, and I think that they are also either quarterback of the future or maybe they're going to be the spot that Penny Sewell ends up landing. Or this is also maybe one of the earlier receivers, but I think the best bet here at four is probably going to be Penny Sewell because right now their offensive line could use the extra boost if they want to get back on their feet for one final run with Matt Ryan. Yeah, I mean, Matt Ryan isn't old. He's getting there he'll probably be old soon and he has declined a little bit over the last couple years but that could also be yeah you know, the previous coaching staff was declining as well and you know their their roster was getting old and they kept having holes open up that they just really struggled to fill yeah you know, right now Matt Ryan is 35 he'll be 36 when the se- when the 2021 season starts so yeah, there's still time left. He's probably still has another three to four year window in which he could go and win, especially with quarterbacks playing a little bit. Quarterbacks like him, pocket passers, playing a, longer than they previously did. Yeah, if they continue to build around him, if they reload instead of rebuild, 
they could be able to make another run you know, and just look in that same division. You had Tom Brady come in at, uh, you know, he's what, 41, 42? Yeah, yeah. And win a Super Bowl in his first year. The Falcons could be looking at, the, at that and go, well, why not us? Yeah, exactly. It it doesn't really. This team's not as far off as that four and twelve record indicates. It was just being in a rut with a head coach that was not really progressing them forward. So they needed to go in a different direction. They still had the talent. It's just a matter of can they piece it together for one final run. And Penny Sewell might be that pick. Five and six, Cincinnati and Miami. We already talked about Miami, but I think both of these teams are very very similar in the sense that they could either go Sewell if he's available or they're probably going to go receiver. I think that those are probably the two biggest needs for them. Kyle Pitts could be in play for either of these teams. Uh, They're a team that's – both these teams are ones that need to just get a little bit more juice offensively, whether it's along the offensive line or uh, at receiver. Yeah, I think it is kind of easy to forget what Joe Burrow was doing before he got hurt. The Giants – beat Cincinnati pretty handily when they played. But that was the first game right after Joe Burrow got hurt. That game could have gone the other way with Burrow on the field. He was doing a lot to elevate that team just all on his own. And I think we could see really, depending on how really what Atlanta does, Cincinnati going for Panay Sewell, uh, perhaps Rashawn Slater, Christian Derrissaw, offensive tackle out of, uh, Virginia Tech, or we could see any one of the top four pass catchers because they basically need to rebuild their receiving core in Cincinnati right now. So we could see Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts or Devonta Smith or Jalen Waddell, you know, whichever one they happen to like best and is still on the board. Yeah, and and hitting on these final teams here, we've got a few more that are still remaining in this top 10. We already talked about Carolina, but Detroit, Denver, Dallas. Similar to Carolina, a little bit of a wild card because these teams, separate from maybe Dallas, Dallas is a little bit more structured offensively. Denver is a little bit more structured defensively. Detroit is a team that has very limited structure on either side of the football. But I think based on who is going to be available in either of these spots opens things up for a multitude of directions. It could be corners, it could be receivers, but just based on how this draft currently looks and where the talent currently lies, um, I I think it might be a little bit more receiver-centric for Detroit because they lost Kenny Galladay. And then for Denver and Dallas, they might put a little bit more emphasis on their defensive side of the football going and getting some corners. Yeah, I think Dallas definitely has to go defense. Uh, if Dak Pres- if they had Dak Prescott last year, there's a very good chance they would have been the NFC's team to go to the playoffs just based on the strength of their offense. If they had Dak Prescott and an even competent defense, I don't think any of the teams, any of the NFC East teams last year could have caught them. So Dallas really does have to go defense here. They could go offensive line. They love to draft offensive linemen, but I'm not sure how you could look at their defense at all last year. And it wasn't just Mike Nolan. They need players. They need guys who can cover. They need guys who can rush the passer. So that I think is where they go. Detroit, they could go anywhere because they need just about everything, really. Uh, <laughs> the only thing I think they're kind of okay with is pass rusher because they've 
got the two Okwara boys, and they're both pretty good. But pretty much everything else is on the table for Detroit. And Denver is going to be interesting. They could be a, another wild card for a quarterback. I'm not sure I would like Mac Jones for them, but he could fit into Pat Shermer's system quite well. But Pat Shermer does also kind of like a stronger-armed quarterback. We know he really liked Josh Allen back in that 2018 draft. It might. It sounds crazy to say this out loud, but we could possibly see Kyle Trask go there if they just do do not believe that Drew Locke can develop, or if some of the quarterback picks we're anticipating don't happen and Trey Lance or Justin Fields happen to fall. That could be a, a place where they their slide stops. Yeah, I, I, Kyle Trask is a little too rich for me at that spot, but yes. I think the more likely one that we see is Trey Lance because when you talked about Josh Allen. There's actually some people that have compared Trey Lance in terms of not his play style but his potential to being like Josh Allen where he's super raw, not a lot of playing time, playing in a really small program, but absolutely killing it because he's got a huge arm and he's a very, very good athlete. So I, I think that Denver is definitely in a spot where you got to consider Trey Lance if he's still on the board, which could very well happen. You could end up having uh, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields in that top three, Mac Jones still on the board, and then nobody taking a quarterback until Denver at nine. The other thing, too, is I think once all three of those guys go, someone's probably going to trade up to go get the fourth guy remaining. I don't know how aggressive people will be to get Mac Jones. I don't think that is going to be the case. I think this might be one of the bigger smoke screens in this year's draft cycle. But if Trey Lance or Justin Fields are still available after the San Francisco pick, somebody is going to be calling in desperately to Atlanta to move up to four. As we've already seen, there have been indications, there have been phone calls made to the Atlanta Falcons. So if you if there's a way to bet on that, I would bet on the chances of that happening being very, very high. Yeah. Now, it just as another potential wildcard scenario, and you know, maybe to get ourselves some angry emails, because we love those. Yes. What happens if the Giants are one of those teams making calls to the Atlanta Falcons? Oh, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> oh. oh, I'm going no. there. <laughs> I'm going there. Yeah. Uh. We know Dave Gettleman does not like to trade down, but he has been known to trade up. What if he has his heart set? He is in full bloom love with Pinay Sewell or Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts. And he wants to go get his guy. And maybe Atlanta wants the extra pit picks to go back and to con- continue to reload around Matt Ryan. See, I thought you were suggesting they would trade up to take Trey Lance. But no, I do. Uh, I could. Knowing good old Dave, <laughs> uh, I could very well see him moving up to four to take somebody that they probably didn't need to trade up for. But um, no, I, I think that there's a lot of things that can happen in this top 10. There's a lot more things that can be shifted around. Hell, by the time we put out this episode tomorrow morning, that fourth pick could be somebody completely different by the end of today. So we continue to update and talk about the various scenarios and all that stuff. So stay tuned as we continue to provide the draft coverage as it relates to the New York Giants. Uh, folks, be sure to follow us on social media at Big Blue View on Twitter and Instagram. Check out our YouTube channel. Uh, also, head to BigBlueView.com for more amazing Giants content. Lastly, make sure you hit that subscribe button. 
um, and leave us a five-star review. Thank you, folks. We'll talk to you soon. Enjoy the rest of your week.